0: you're listening to a sermon by hope bible church niagara we believe in unapologetic preaching unashamed adoration of jesus unceasing prayer unafraid witness and uncommon community if you have yet to do so we would love to have you join us for worship in god's word on sunday mornings for more information visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. thanks for listening good morning hope bible church and uh, happy new year I am delighted to be able to open up God's Word with you this morning. Uh, My name is David, and uh, for those of you who don't remember, and uh, Pastor Ross asked me a little while ago to preach on the first day of the year, so here I am, and uh, and I praise God for that. It's quite interesting. Um, A couple years ago, uh, when this church belonged to Bethel Baptist, um, I was asked to preach here, and, uh, and now a couple years later, I'm preaching here in Hope Bible Church. And so it's, we praise God for all that he's done in the last couple years. And, and, uh, and just, uh, I think, is, is Shane here this morning? Uh, we just praise God. Shane, good to see you, man. I remember last year at this time, it wasn't looking too good and now we're here uh, worshiping together. Just praise God. God has been so good, so wonderful this past year. He's moved in such incredible ways. And, and I hope we can get excited about that here today. And I want to continue to delight in God uh, together as we look at Psalm 40 together. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 40. Um, get your phones out because I know there's Bibles on your phones. Get them out. Psalm 40, if you're looking at the Pew Bible, it's page 438, 438. I'd love to um, have you follow along with me as, as I read. So Psalm 40, and this is the Word of God here this morning. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust, Who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim them, proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told in sacrifice and And your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch Away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. This morning, I want to begin this message with a question, and the question is simply this: How's your your faith this morning? Or maybe maybe can ask it a different way. How, how's your joy in the Lord this morning? Uh, if you notice, verse 16 is sort of the, the, the central verse of this psalm. And it says, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Isn't that a great verse for, for a, a theme or a model for, for our church May we continually say week after week, day after day, or month after month, year after year, great is the Lord. Can we not say that here this morning? Great is the Lord. Is that where your heart is this morning? Are you rejoicing? Are you glad? Maybe, maybe you you took up Pastor Ross's challenge uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. Remember that challenge he said, and all the celebration that you do over Christmas, may it feed your soul. May may not be an end in itself, but but may it feed your soul and telling your soul that something great happened at Christmas. God sent His one and only Son, Jesus. And maybe, maybe your heart is encouraged. Maybe you've been energized, maybe you're hopeful. maybe you've had a, a great time off this past week, and, and you're ready to go, and you've, you've seen some family and you've been greatly encouraged. And maybe that's you, or, or maybe there's been a sort of a revival in your heart or in your life, and, and, and yeah, you are saying fully, with you're trusting God, and you're saying, great is the Lord, and you're saying that continually. Maybe that is you this morning. But maybe maybe your faith, maybe your heart is a little indifferent this morning. You know, sometimes uh, Christmas might not be that encouraging. Um, maybe it brings up difficult memories, difficult times in the past. Uh, well, kids are home from school, right? Routines are, have changed, and maybe things aren't going too well. Maybe your spouse is home from work, and maybe that's not going too well either. Maybe you're tired. Maybe, maybe you're you're not looking forward to this coming year. You're you're worried. You're fearful of what is next. Maybe, maybe you're burdened here this morning. Maybe you've been distracted by the busyness of of life, busyness of the holidays. Maybe you haven't had a prayer life for a little while. Maybe burdened by the uh, financial stress you have been facing, or, or maybe the one that might be coming this, this new year. I get that. Predictions for 2023, and the words recession have been, been thrown around for a while, might not be too encouraging. Maybe, maybe past relationships have not been brought back to where they should be because of COVID. Maybe they were strained because of COVID. Maybe they've not been brought back to that. Maybe you've tried this Christmas and uh, to no avail. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're doubting God this morning. Maybe you're asking why a lot. I've been there. Yeah, we've been through a lot the last couple years. Maybe you know your faith should be a little stronger. You, maybe you know and realize that that your joy has to be recovered somehow. Um, you want to know the joy of the Lord. Maybe you've, you've but, but joy seems so far away, and maybe you've, you've, you've read your Bible, you've, 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 Posted um, written the, the promises of God and posted notes and put them around the house, or, 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 or maybe you have gathered with, with God's people and s- maybe you have searched for unrepentant sin, or maybe you have prayed and maybe you've prayed and gone on those prayer walks, and, and perhaps in desperation, you've gone on spiritual retreats, maybe you've fasted for an extended period of time, but, but still there seems to be this, this darkness. The silence, this doubt. Wherever you find yourself here this morning, whether you're, you're seeking to recover the joy of the Lord, or, 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 or if, if you just want to maintain this joy that you have, I believe, I believe this psalm can help with that. It doesn't necessarily give us the whole answer, but I think it points us in the right direction. I think this psalm helps to fuel our faith to recover, in order to recover or maintain our joy in the Lord. And I think the theme of this psalm, or at least in part what this psalm teaches, us here this morning is, is that joy in the Lord is established or maintained when we look back in faith at what God has done or at, what his, at His grace in our lives, as we can see in faith, and therefore helping us to anticipate God's grace in the future, God's grace for this coming year. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look back and look forward. Uh, I think the the psalm allows us to look back at what God has done in order to fuel our faith for this coming year by gaining perspective on on who God is and what God has done and what God will do on his promises. How our, our past should teach us to face the uh, future with with confidence, knowing that the same God who preserved us this past year will preserve us this coming year. Amen? That's where we're going here this morning. And I want to give you two simple reminders this this morning. Now, when I say simple reminders, I don't mean simplistic solutions. There's a little difference there. By reminders... I, I'm talking. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been given simplistic solutions. Maybe you've been told all you got to do is just pray a little more, or just read your Bible a little more. Um. Maybe, maybe you've given been given well-intentioned instruction. Maybe you get the sense that they don't think your your situation's all that bad, and you just got to do certain things in order to get it better. Well, I, I don't think the Bible teaches that. But what the Bible does do is remind us again and again of simple truths that we are so prone to forget. Truths that, that, that may not lift the darkness right away. But, but as one author points out, these truths may, may shine out to us like stars between the clouds. Reminding us that there is a world of light we cannot see. Strengthening us to keep going. Does that, does that make sense here this morning? That's what I want to help us with here this morning as we begin this new year. And so, first of all, I want to, rem- to, to point out that this psalm teaches us to remember with the eyes of faith God's past grace in your life. Remember with the eyes of faith, God's past grace in our life. And as we look at this, there, there's four sub-points that I want to point out. First of all, see God's deliverance. Now, now as you as you approach this psalm, oftentimes when we approach the psalms, we like to approach them individualistically, meaning that you take one psalm and you study that psalm and you don't really look at the psalm before or the psalms after that, that, in order to help you to understand the psalm you're looking at. Well, this psalm is part of a cluster of psalms. And that in order to understand the, the impact of verse 1 of this psalm, we need to go back a few psalms to understand what, what, what is this cluster of psalms teaching us? Well, I think one of the things that we need to realize that, that, that these psalms, this cluster of psalms, 37, 38, 39, and 40, the, the theme is waiting on God. The theme is simply waiting on God. Chapter 37, it it helps us and it tells us, rather here, to to do not fret because oneself of evildoers, verse 1. Later on, it talks about waiting, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And it, and it mentions that again in verse 34 of chapter 37. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. So so 37 is about persisting on waiting on God. The answer has not come yet, but persist on waiting. And then verses thirty, chapters thirty and 39, it talks a lot about, about personal self-reflection. Um, it talks about in verse 38, verse 15, it says, But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer verse 21 do not forsake me lord oh my god do not be far from me make haste to help me verse 39 chapter 39 verse 7 it says and now o lord for what do i wait my hope is in you so we have the psalmist here is waiting waiting patiently waiting perseveringly and then verse 40 verse 1 it says i waited patiently and I'm still waiting. No, no, it doesn't say that, does it? I'm waiting for the Lord. I waited for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure." He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Do do you see how important to understand the context? He's been, been waiting. We don't really know what he was going through or what pit of destruction he was talking about or the miry bog that he was in. But he was in one and he waited patiently for the Lord. And then the Lord turned to him and heard his cry. He lifted him up. It might be people that are trying to destroy him. It might be a set of circumstances that has him in this bog. Maybe it's been his own sin. But what David was doing here was praying and waiting on the Lord. Living for him as he was waiting on the Lord. And And he's... And he said, He he heard my cry and lifted me up. He was going through a season of darkness, but there is hope. God answered his prayer. And if you've been a Christian long enough, you know there will be seasons of hardship and trouble and darkness. But darkness for the believer is, is never the end in itself. You have to understand, it's never the end in itself. We see and experience, still see the experience and effects of remaining sin all around us, and some things they do threaten to destroy our faith, to destroy or seriously question our faith. But here he looks back and he saw the hand of God moving in a powerful way. As one author puts it, God's nearness then does not mean that we will never, never walk in darkness. It does mean, however, that darkness is never an end, but only a means, the tracks, not the station, the pathway home, not the fireside. In the darkness, God tunes the strings of our souls, readying them for the coming praise. And that's what we see here, how God acted in a powerful way to lift him up out of this of this bog that he was in. Notice verse 3, it says, he put a new song in my mouth. Isn't that amazing? A song of praise to our God for what he has done and how gracious he has been to David. And, 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 and it's interesting, this, this, this phrase, he put a new song in my, in my mouth. Uh, the the phrase "new song" uh, is mentioned a few times in the Bible, and one uh, and usually when it describe usually when it is mentioned, it's describing uh, a new manifestation of God's manifold grace, and and we see that most powerfully in Revelation chapter five and verse nine. Chapter 4 of Revelation talks about the throne room of God and, and, uh, and, and all the glory of God. And then in chapter 5, it talks about the scroll and who can open up the scroll with its seven seals and who is worthy. And, and uh, John, it says there, began to weep. And the scroll, of course, is, is referring to all of God's purposes for redemption and judgment. And then in verse 5, it says, weep no more. Behold, the line, the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And there was worship. And uh, all the earth, in verse 9 it says, and they sang a new song. There's that phrase Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language. And people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Isn't it amazing when we see this God's work? Because I think primarily when we think of God lifting us out of the bog, it's primarily God graciously saving us and lifting us out of our sin. Isn't it amazing? He put a new song in all of our mouths when He saved us, when He set His affections on us in Christ. Put a new song. He lifted me up. He lifted you up and set our feet on a rock. And I remember when God saved me, it was, I was 17 years old and going down a very rebellious path. And He lifted me up out of the pit and set my feet upon a rock. And I rejoice that I, I praise God. I remember that day so clearly. Um, I. I was in church that, sun, uh, or that, I was youth group, if I remember correctly, it was youth group, and, and uh, my parents had the deal that if, uh, if, uh, if I wanted to drive the vehicle or have, borrow their vehicle, I had to go to youth group. And you know what, it, it, it's really good to make your kids sometimes do stuff that they don't want to do, because I did not want to go to church, that's the last place I wanted to go. But I figured, okay, if I go Friday night, then I can use a truck Saturday night to go with my friends and and do rebellious things. But God had other plans. And you know what? For the first time in my life, I never wanted to leave that church. God saved me. A few months later, went on a missions trip. and, and, And it was just an amazing time. And he still has that song. You know, think back to when God lifted you. God saved you. Isn't it a great time? I love, I love, there's baptisms coming up. I love hearing the testimonies of what God has done in people's lives. It's a great encouragement. And you know what? And not, not only does God lift us up out of our sin, but, but he continues to deliver he continues to answer prayer. He continues to help. The penalty and power of sin has been dealt with, yes, but the presence of sin is still here. And he continues to help through dark times, days of trouble, to lift us up, to, to help us. And we see here the deliverance of God. And then secondly, we, we, we hear that, that realize that, that it is God who is working in your life. Verse 4 and following, it says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You know, there's two ways to live here. Either you're fully trusting the Lord or you're trusting yourself. You're trusting the, the Creator or you're trusting creation. There's two ways to live. And he's saying here, it is, it is God. And then, of course, verse 5 it says, and we'll get back to that verse in a moment, but verse 5 it says, You have multiple, notice that. You have multiplied, oh Lord my God, your wondrous deeds towards us and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim them, and yet they are more than can be told. It's amazing. He's describing what God did. And he calls us to trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in him, trusting God fully. Or trusting in anything else that is not God? Well, how do you know which one you fall into? Well, maybe one way, not the only way. How's your prayer life doing? Prayerlessness, as Daniel Henderson says, the book that I think in our small group we're going through this coming year, is our declaration of our independence from God. Are you trusting this morning? Where's your faith this morning? Where's where where's your joy? Where where what are you chasing after for for finding joy this morning? Are we walking by faith, trusting one who is more than able? Remember what God. It's amazing. Verse five, you have multiplied your deeds. God is not stingy with His grace. He doesn't work on a budget. He's got, (laughs) Ephesians 2, it says, "...the immeasurable riches of his grace." immeasurable riches, his wondrous deeds here. Notice his wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us now. (laughs) As one commentator points out, throughout the Psalms when the word wondrous deeds is is mentioned, it refers to God's work in creation and redemption. The miracle of the Exodus. In Psalm 106, it says the the, the wondrous deeds. And in Psalm 139, our own nerves and sinews. it's, It's wonderful. God has multiplied such marvelous deeds. In the past, not only towards David, but towards us, towards all of God's people. The past, our own past, if we are in Christ, is not mainly a story of sin and sorrow, but rather of the wonders of God that forgave our sins and heals our sorrows. Isn't that wonderful? Now, it's interesting here, in verse 5, it says, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. Other translations use the word plans towards us. Um, what, what, what does David see when he looks back? He looks at the plan of God. You've multiplied your, your, your plans. Um, the, the same word uh, that's used here is also used in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Talking about his plans, your wondrous, wondrous plans. When God multiplies his thoughts towards his people, he's multiplying also his merciful and wonderful plans. God is not content just to fill your past with wondrous deeds, it's not just about the past. The chambers of his merciful imagination are always full of fresh wonders waiting for the proper time in the future for, for our good and for, for his glory. He is continually eager to unfold new dimensions of his grace. It says his mercies are new every morning. We don't need to worry that his mercies will stop. Look at verse 5. They are more than can be told. Of course, uh, our his wonderful plans for us are likely quite different than the plans we have for ourselves. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? When we can thank God, they will be. They're better than ours. For, for you know, uh, as much of, of a good planner you think you are or think I think I am, we're poor planners. We dream up of of 70, 80, 90 years of happiness, but, but God has eternity in his mind. Isn't that amazing? So God's merciful plans then should not lead us to expect days of untroubled serenity ahead. Rather... Days that reveal more of the constellations of God's glory to us, as one author points out. Even if you must go through deep darkness to see them. Most of God's merciful plans of our God are those that will bring us to say, whatever it takes, great is the Lord. One of my favorite passages, and, and it was a year ago, if you remember, I spoke here for, uh, um, for Pastor Brett, who, who got sick, and I filled in the first Sunday of last year, and uh, I don't know if it was that Sunday or the Boxing Day, I think I spoke as well, but um, my favorite passage in all of Scripture, one of them, is uh, Psalm 139. It says, Therefore you created my inmost being, and knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know it all well. My frame was not hidden from you when it was made in the secret place, when it was woven together in the depths of the earth. Notice this, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of of them came to be. God has my life planned out. And if he does, I have nothing to fear, right? I, I know it won't be easy, but, but sometimes it, it, it can't be that simple, right? He knows every detail of your life. He, is, he has your life figured out, even if you don't. And know this, he is working in your life for your good and for his glory, even though it's, it's hard to see. And if he has me in this spot, he will give me the grace to walk through it each and every day, no matter how hard. We we trust that because he is wise, he is gracious, he's faithful, he's powerful, because God is good. He is worthy of your trust and is alone able to give your heart the rest it needs. So as we enter 2023, do you, believe with all your heart God is good? Amen. Do you believe that God is, is, is more than able? Doesn't isn't that strengthen your faith and, and, and increase your, your, your joy? Suffer well, well, well yeah, your suffering is never, and, and it's a means to, and like I said earlier, I don't know what oftentimes what God's purpose is for your suffering or for my suffering, But at some point, we're going to have to fully trust Him because He is wise. He's good. He's all-powerful. And giving your life to Him is worth it. That leads to this third point under looking back at God's grace. The, the, The only response I think there is is dedicating one's life to God. In in verse 6, in sacrifice and offerings you have not delighted, but an open ear. But you have given me an open ear, burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, for your law is within my heart. Here, the psalmist, he recognizes that all the sacrifices they were prescribed, yes, but they're not necessarily what God delighted in. He wanted to know where your heart was. He wanted to know that you're truly worshiping and that that you've come, and and, and that your ears have been opened and that you're obeying the will of the Father. That you're obeying the will of God. It says, you have given me an open ear. It's a metaphor describing a believing heart, an obeying heart. I delight to do your will. Is that your heart here this morning? Delighting to do his will? Because David, of course, is speaking of himself here. And he did not do this perfectly. If you read David's life, he didn't live a perfect life. But this is pointing to someone greater. To David's greater son. King Jesus. Because this very phrase, or these very verses are used in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, talking about about how faithful Jesus was in giving his life to save us, to be that perfect sacrifice. And and, and if you understand, if you read through Jesus' life, especially in the Gospel of John, it says there, My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Jesus didn't come down for himself. Jesus didn't necessarily first and foremost, come to save. He he came to do the will, which included saving a humanity of all those who would believe in him. He came to do the Father's will. John 6, 38, he says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And then even the Gospel of Luke, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not, what, my will, but yours be done. And here, Jesus' heart, is, as, as he's describing, David is describing his dedication to God, it's, it's reflective of Jesus' dedication to the will of the Father, to the will of, of the one who sent him. And the will was to come down, born as a baby as we just celebrated, to live a perfect life, to live a sinless life, to die a sinner's death so that all who would believe in him will have eternal life. And that is a great example for us because the only response we have is to surrender our lives to Him. Surrender our lives to Him. Follow His will. And of course that means to be people of the book, to be in the Word. Because that's where the will of God is ascribed for us. I know there's so much more I could say here, but I think time is running out here. But the, the last point as we look back in verses 9 and 10, it says, Tell your story. Tell your story of God's grace. Look at I've to, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. I've not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I've not hidden your deliverance in my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Because telling your story believe it or not is a means of grace for other people as you tell your story of god's grace you are encouraging and building the faith up of others so that when they go through the darkness or when they go through challenges they know yes okay i can trust god because just as he's helped my brother he's going to help me as well not the exact same way it's for your good and for his glory but it's so important to remember and, and to tell and to talk about these things. Um, one, of the big, what, what, one of the biggest failures of ancient Israel was the fact that they did, they did not do this. They did not tell their story. Judges chapter 2, it says there, After Joshua dismissed the Israelites, they went and took possession of the land, each of their own inheritance. The people served the Lord through their lifetime, Joshua and the elders who outlived him, and those who had been seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And then later on in that verse it says, After that whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then you can read on the destruction that happens in the book of Judges. They did not remember. So the psalm calls us to look back to see God's grace in an effort to build our faith up for the future and increase our joy. Looking back, I know I, I know can be difficult. Maybe when you look back, you, you see your sin. Maybe you feel what David feels in verse 12. It says there, my iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They're more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails within me. Maybe, you, maybe you that's what you see. But look at what God did. If you belong to Jesus, he has not withheld his mercy from you. He saw you in your pit of destruction. As you were sinking down by the weight of your own sin, he bent an ear to hear you. He placed his arm beneath you and you set your feet upon a rock, the rock of his son, Jesus Christ. He put a new song in your mouth, a song of praise. He has enough mercy to forgive all your sins. So come to him come to him if you don't if your sins haven't been forgiven come to him there's an invitation you're to come to come to the cross come and find mercy in Jesus or maybe when when you think of your past maybe maybe sorrow is what you see it says here in Psalm 48, verse 12, it says, Evils have encompassed me. My heart fails within me, but, but, but I want to encourage you to keep looking. If, if you are in Christ, then, then God has drawn near to you in your neediness. He has heard every sigh. Psalm 50, I love what Psalm 56, verse 8 says there. It says, you have, count, you have kept count of my tossings. So all your tossings in your bed at night, he's counted them. He says, he's put my tears in a bottle. All your tears are in a bottle, metaphorically speaking. And then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. He has so sanctified every sorrow that it has become in his hands a minister of mercy and a means of grace. He's comforted you and healed. He, he offers healing and comfort in all of our sorrows. No past can be a wasteland if Christ himself has walked there. Uh, We can find ourselves rehearsing all the bitterness behind us, and then we need to tell ourselves a fuller story. God has forgiven me. Christ has redeemed me. And my past is full of his wondrous deeds, his wondrous grace. Don't, Don't miss the footprints of his mercy over the past year. Don't miss those. All of this, of course, he wants us to remember. Remember all the grace that we so much did not deserve, but he graciously helped us. Because so often when we go through hardship and hard times, we see a narrowing of our horizon, as, as D.A. Carson points out. When we, when we go, we, 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 we get tunnel vision, so to speak, and so all that we can think about are the things that we're going through. And then when we come through them, we, we see the hand of God, we, our, our horizons expand again, and we, and, and we see things clearly, and we see the hand of God, we see God's grace, And all of that has meant that the next time you go through that your horizons can stay a little bit more broader because you know that as God was faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future. He will help us through. I've seen this so many, I used to joke, uh, you want to humor God, tell him your plans. And I used to joke about that. You know, there's been so many things in my life that have not turned out necessarily the way that I had planned, but, but that God has planned. Some were difficult, but, but in the end, all were a means of grace for joy and building up my faith in amazing ways. Every experience of God's grace in the past should lead us to look to Him with trust for grace in the present and in the future. You can do that. I remember you know I read in Samuel, first Samuel 712, talking about raising your Ebenezer, you know, have a reminder that God is our help. I remember missionary friends of ours had a little box, a little trinkets of all the you know different times in their life that God, they saw clearly God's grace in their lives, and they, they take that out all the time to remember, okay, God was gracious in the past. Or you can do this in a journal of uh, writing down what God is doing in your life and seeing. God's goodness So you're reminded that the same God who was helping you back then will help you now and into the future. And I know I know my time is running out here, but, but secondly, we need to remember with eyes of faith that God will graciously preserve you this coming year Notice again what it says in verse 11. "For you, O Lord, will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will." ever preserve me. I I, I think the psalmist here recognizes that he will face trouble again. He will face trouble again, but but in the midst of all of this, because verse, verse 12, it talks about evils encompass me. Notice that that he knows that evils will encompass him. And, and they are maybe he is going through or will be going through trials. There there's there's challenges of of, of life in general, because evils in general we still live in a world that is filled with, with sin and that evils and we, we have challenges there. And my iniquity, even our sin will cause us to go through times of darkness. But also then later on, 13 14 and 15 and talks about people who will rob us of our joy or challenge our joy or challenge our faith he knows that we will be going through those we will be facing things again but notice verse 11 your steadfast love you know we as I said earlier there's, there's two ways where we search for we're all searching for security in our life aren't we we're all searching for joy. We're all searching for a, a, a place where a place of rest. Perhaps we we can see all of that. We seek satisfaction in, in, in many different places, but the, the, there's generally two places: either in our Creator or in creation, right? And, and I think and I think as as Paul Tripp points out, some of the great three of the greatest words ever penned in Scripture is the fact that God is love right how he is loving and he showed his love towards us in saving us and helping us and being gracious and wrapping his arms of love around us that is where where true security he knows where it's found earlier on in verse 4 he says that he blesses the man who makes the lord his trust and does not turn to the proud because because the proud they're chasing after other things for security Creation will never be our savior. Remember that. Creation will never, ever be our savior. The only hope is found in God and in his love for us. He's the only one who's able to carry our hope. Because he is love and because he has placed his love on you, you have security and hope even when those scary moments, when they feel as if you have neither. The one who is love sent a son of love to be a sacrifice of love so you could be rescued by his love and the rest in that love forever and ever. We have that hope, we have that security. Because as I said, our own sin, our sin can cause a lot of trouble. (laughs) Evil in general, we live in a fallen world. Family, friends, work will, will, will all disappoint us if that's where our hope is found. And that's why verse 16 is so powerful to us. It says, keep seeking the Lord in all things. Again, this should be the theme verse of our year. It says, that those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May all those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. He is so wonderful. And I think this is a powerful mission this year is it's a, to have a clear mission, a clear identity, to continually show and continually say the great is the Lord. Lord, be magnified. It says continually. May that be the theme of our church. May that be the melody of our songs. May that be the banner of all that we do here, that, that great is or make it the meaning of our homes, aim of our parenting, design of our marriage, the goal of our vocation to continually say, great is the Lord. Because he alone is gracious. Christopher Ashe points out, he says this, praise we praise not because pre, uh, the present is easy, but because the future is glorious. You get that? Yeah, we're going to face trials and troubles in this life. But it's preparing us for another life. And so often we 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 do, and I myself get so caught up in the enjoyment of this life. Sometimes I forget that there's so much more to come for us. And, and we do often have it so good here. It's like we're experiencing heaven on earth here at times, right? Nothing wrong with enjoying God's blessings. I love God's blessings. But we can get too attached to them. Because what we've experienced is nothing to what God has prepared for us, those who love him. And that's where our eyes must be, and that's where our joy is to be found. Because lastly, what we do here is humbly trust God. Notice notice in verse 16, as he looks at God and saying, great is the Lord, and as he talks about seeking and being glad in him, But look, at as we see God and as we see all his grace, we recognize, as he says in verse 17, as for me, I am poor and needy. You need the Lord. You need his grace every day. I need his grace every day. But notice this here, but the Lord takes thought for me. The Lord thinks about you. The Lord knows you by name. The Lord, the Lord knows every detail of your life. He's the only one. And it says, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay my God. Humble ourselves. It says in, in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, God opposes the but his grace to who? The humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, they may lift you up and Due time. Cast your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Which one do you want to be, the proud or the humble? Because I don't know, I don't want God opposing me, right? That's a bad place to be. Humble yourself. In closing, the psalm again is a part of a cluster of psalms that talks about waiting on God. Maybe you are here this morning and are still waiting. And the challenge for us is these psalms talk about is keep waiting for God. As one author points out, and again I want to leave you with these thoughts. It says, "Cling to His promises, even when when it feels like He has abandoned them. Keep keep crying out to Him, even when you're unsure if He hears." Keep seeking his face, even when it's the last thing you want to do. And of course, refuse the temptation, loved one. Listen to this. Refuse the temptation when you find yourself tired of waiting. As it says in verse 4, to go after a lie. Refuse that temptation. To follow or chase after some refuge which God, other than God, To what you think promises immediate relief. Cling, wait, pray, seek, trust. And God will come and pick you up out of your pit of destruction. And if not in this life, we have a glorious life awaiting for us, more than can be told. He will set your feet on a rock. So, so when we, as we find ourselves here at the beginning of a new year, recognize that we are surrounded by the faithfulness of God. Behind us are his wondrous deeds, right? We talked about that today. Before us are his merciful plans. Both of them are marvelous and more than can be told as David points out here in this psalm. With with, with such a God that is behind us and before us, we can't allow the past to swallow us nor the future to worry us. I know that's hard. I'm struggle. i a worrier at heart. I, I, I tend to worry about the future all the time. I'm prone to that. And I know as I'm prepared this psalm and preaching this psalm, I've allowed it to preach to my own heart as well. Because we are surrounded by the faithfulness of God. The past doesn't have to swallow us up. Nor the future worry us because we are in his hand. His grip on us is stronger than our grip on him. You do remember that, folks. Folks. And what we've learned here this morning, and these are my last words, is that the past and the future belong to him. And most importantly, so do we. We belong to him. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for how wonderful you are how faithful you are. Help us, Lord God, to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to walk in the joy of the Lord after seeing your grace in our past and knowing that there's so much more grace for us in the future that'll never run out. Lord, Deepen our faith this morning to truly trust you. It says, blessed is, is, the, is the man who makes the Lord his trust.